Yeah, so what a blessing uh, to be asked uh, to, to join you all uh, this morning. And um, I really appreciated the, the introduction, Maria, that we were going to worship the Lord with our whole heart. Uh, that obviously is the um, kind of the heart of the heartbeat of whole heart fellowship is that we will, um, you know, we will pursue the Lord. We're going to pursue a relationship with him. So, um, so the relationship, I, I am one that subscribes to a theory that a relationship is ever evolving. Okay. Uh, the woman that I married 20 years ago, um, I think we're coming up on 26. It feels like it's 26. It's north of 20. Um, the one we were talking about just the, this just the other day, the woman I married, the guy she married are no longer like we have grown both grown and we've grown in our relationship with each other and with the Lord. And there are times when the fellowship is broken. There are times when the relationship needs some investment uh, in a different way. So, so as I approached the last stanza in Psalm 119, what jumped off the page to me was this concept of David uh, kind of restoring his relationship with the Lord. So let me just say, I don't come with any agenda. I don't come with any, um, you know, kind of specific purpose. I don't know, honestly, very many of you all in here. I've, I've, I've hugged a few of you. I got a, I got a, a, a good hug from a, a, and I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Shanae this morning. I, I don't know that I'd ever met Shanae. So I hugged that. So I, I some of you are at camp. Uh, you know, when I met Dallas Lauderdale, I said, Dallas, I'm a hugger. And he says, hugging me is awkward <laughs> because he's eight foot 17. And, uh, and I hugged a man's belly button. So it was good. And I had never done that before. Uh, so, but I'm a hugger. I love people. I love relationships, but relationships, they ebb and flow. And because I don't know who's, you know, I don't know the, the, the details of your walk. I'm not, I'm not presuming that any of you need to restore your relationship with the Lord, right? I'm not presuming that you, you're not in proper fellowship, but every one of us is going to go through phases in our walk where we're not as close to the Lord as we need to be. And so David, I, I believe, and, and, and we'll read it here in just a moment, in Psalm 119, lays out a really good pattern on how to restore a good or healthy relationship with the Lord. Now, we, we have to remember that, that the Old Testament was different. So some of the words and some of the perspectives that David brings to the table, we have inherent in Christ. So we don't have to restore our relationship with the Lord the same way that men and women in the Old Testament had to restore their relationship with the Lord. So let's go ahead and turn, if you're not already there, I'm probably the last one that's, that's not there in Psalm 119. And we will read the last uh, stanza together and... Um, and enjoy, hopefully, what the Lord has for us today. And I say that because sometimes these things maybe are a little hard to hear, uh, but, but we'll trust that he's, that, that he's at work. Let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word. For all thy commandments are righteous. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee. Let thy judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Lord, we do thank you for the time in your word. We ask that you just use your Holy Spirit to bring the specific points of specific statements, the specific words, uh, contexts, phrases, whatever it is, points that need to be heard by each and every one of us, Lord, that you would just do the work 
that you've promised to do to, to bring those things up, to convict us, Lord, whether it's of sin, of righteousness, or of judgment, Lord, to, to, to just do the next step in our relationship so that we can always, uh, to, the, to the, I guess I'll say the best of our ability, maintain a relationship with you. Lord, it is a two-way street and we have to do our part. Help us learn how to uh, always identify and to restore a relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, so we have to remember, and I've touched on this, that the Old Testament relationship that a man or a woman had with God was very conditional, right? It was conditional on actions. It was conditional on sacrifice. It was conditional on things. Now, in the New Testament, we don't have that same uh, relationship with the Lord. It's unconditional, meaning if I don't make a trip to Jerusalem this year and sacrifice a bull, no harm, no foul in my relationship because the Jesus has paid it all, right? So it's unconditional. Now, Jesus obviously fulfilled that, all of those conditions, the law, fulfilled the law, but obviously faith is a condition, right? We, I'm not in no way, in, in no way, shape or form am I implying that everyone is saved, right? There, there has to be a point in time where someone makes a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the condition. But once that has occurred, right, once, so the context that we're, we're approaching this from today is that a relationship relationship with the Lord exists, i.e. you're saved, okay? If you've not made that decision today, I think you can still glean some things. You'll still be able to get some things from this. Uh, I think the, the, the pattern still points to how you can have a proper relationship with the Lord, but it's not going to apply one-to-one. Uh, one like, it, it's not a direct correlation. You need to deal with that first. I'll, I'll direct you to Dell on that. Uh, I'd be happy to sit down and talk with you afterwards, uh, ladies. I'm sure we can we can grab Serene or Marie or somebody that can that can sit down and talk to you about your need in Christ. But so we, I got to set that aside for a second and say that we're approaching this from a devotional perspective of having a relationship with the Lord. Okay, being a saved individual that has an, a, a growing relationship with the Lord. Now, this stanza is really a story of how, I, and, I've, and I've kind of referred to it as restoring the relationship, but it's really how to restore closeness, okay, to the Lord. That's how we're going to devotionally apply it today. I don't know about you, but there have been times, certainly, where I have felt disconnected from the Lord. Maybe I'm going through the motions. I pull out air quotes a lot and sometimes they don't like, don't even apply. It's like the actual word, but I still do an air quote for some reason. So just, just laugh and, and we'll move on. It's all good. But you know, there's times where I feel disconnected. There are times when I feel disconnected with my, with my bride, right? Uh, time where she feels disconnected with me. And we have to take steps, purposeful, intentional steps to restore that closeness, right? I can't just walk up to her if we've felt disconnected, the busyness of life and be like, okay, we're, we're just right now, we're going to restore the relationship. Okay. You on board? Like that isn't how it works. Right now I can say, I'm sorry. Work's been crazy. I'm sorry. Life's been busy. Ministry has been, been, you know, a tough season or, or, or whatever, you know, kids, you know, going back to school, just life, right. That there, there are times when those things come on us, but I can approach her and I can say, I'm going to purpose, I want to purpose in my heart to kind of restore the closeness, but I can't just flip the switch on that, I guess is my point. And David, I believe, really lays out a wonderful pattern here. And, and so if you're struggling to find some joy, maybe some contentment, uh, some, some happiness, if you will, because I do think while we're not called to happiness, I think you should find happiness in ministry. I think you should find happiness in purpose. At the core, it should be joy because joy supersedes happy or sad. But there's like if you're never happy in your ministry, if you're never happy in your relationship with the Lord, like we got to deal with that. That's another issue. So I, I do want to talk to some degree about restoring this, this happiness and this contentment. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through the text. We're going to hit some points fairly quickly. 
Okay, so bear with me because we are going to hit each and every one of the verses and we're going to talk about this pattern that is, I think, beautifully laid out. Okay, beautifully laid out. So the first is the text. So in 169, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord, give me understanding according to thy word. Now, cry can mean a lot of things. I have heard like the Eskimos have like 30 words for snow. I don't know if that's true, but it's a, it's a principle, right? So if, if I said, I've got a bucket of ice, you probably have in your mind the kind of ice I have, right? It's either cubed or crushed, depending on which you get at Quick Trip. I think it's interesting that, you know, first world problems when the crushed ice is out and you have to get cubed and you're disappointed. Right. Or vice versa. If you're if you're a sinner and you go the other way. No, I'm just kidding. Um, like but ice means like we have perspective in our mind of what we think of ice. Right. But but there's certainly times in Missouri here in Kansas where we get ice in the right. And that's not that's not the same. Right. I, I learned a new word this last year. Grapple. I, has anybody heard? I didn't know that was a thing. Some of you, like, I'm, I'm the idiot. Grapple is like, I guess, like a mini sleet or something. It, it kind of looks, it's a, it's a form of ice, but it's not the same as a cube of ice. It's not the same as a sheet of ice. It's not the same as crushed ice. It's different. So the word cry can mean many different things. And actually in this context, right? I mean, I've been to a Chiefs game. I've heard people cry, Right. Well, I, I actually had the distinct opportunity and privilege. My son hit me up and said, Dad, I really want to go to the, the playoff game with the Bills. So this last year, the one that was like, you know, epic. And so I took my boys. We sat almost as high as we could because it was a little bit last minute and I wasn't going to pay the kind of money that, that needed to be paid to sit anywhere close. So we got perspective is what I told them. So... Yeah, we can see the plays develop. That's what I said. I said we see the whole thing, right? That's what, I, and they didn't believe me in that either. But um, where was I going with that? What was my point? Anybody know? Yeah, they cried. Oh, we cried both directions. We cried happy tears. We cried sad tears, like four times in like five minutes. Thank you. Um, Crying in this context is positive. The, the English word or the Hebrew word that is translated appears as singing, rejoicing, joy, gladness, proclamation, shouting, songs, triumph, right? The, when we look at this, sometimes we would say, let my cry come near before thee. And we might think it's, it's like sad, right? Like, but it's not. It's, it's a very positive angle here. It's interesting because this other concept, give me understanding according to your word, uh, according to thy word. So this crying or speaking joy and understanding are often linked in scripture. Look in Psalm 47, seven, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. I think it was Trotter that used to say Christians are, are, are liars when it comes to singing, right? We sing things that we actually don't really mean. I mean, would you rather have Jesus or would you rather be the king of a vast domain? Like, I think when it comes down to it, some people are like, I just once want the chance to prove that lottery money won't ruin me. <laughs> just once. Uh, praising, singing praises and understanding need to go together. My mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. And even in verse six, uh, in this, in this verse, 169, let my cry come near before thee, give me understanding according to thy word, right? This concept of singing praises this concept of connecting with God and in, in, with our mouth needs to come from a perspective of understanding, right? Not just because you like the song. I mean, you should like the song, but not just. So you have some, uh, some fill in the blanks and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know that I underline them. So if, if I need to go back or whatever. So, so, 
So this, I've repackaged this one. Out of praise comes understanding, okay? Out of praise should come understanding. All right, so we need to keep moving here. So let my supplication in 170 come before thee, deliver me according to thy word. Now, we often think of supplication as a request for others, right? We probably had a lot of praises this morning, and I would like to add to that. I know there was a message in the, in the leadership chat that Dan Renault had his first uh, specialized treatment of medicine, and it apparently is making a tangible positive impact. So praise the Lord for that. So we often bring our, our concerns for others, right? Those are, are supplications, but it's really any kind of request. It could, it could be even, even for ourselves. And, and then when we contrast that with deliver me according to thy word, uh, I think this is interesting because this, this phrase, according to thy word, there are dozens of times that appears in scripture. Yet we don't want, like, we want to seemingly glance over that. One of the, the first messages I ever got to preach was on Luke chapter five. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Luke chapter five with this in mind, but if you don't mind turning there for just a moment in Luke chapter five, and we'll touch on this as we keep moving Verse one, and it came to pass that as he, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and two, and he saw two ships standing in the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he was done. And he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, a draft or a draught, right? To, to, to pick, to, to, fish. And Simon answered and said uh, uh, unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night when the fish were biting and have taken nothing. And now in the kind of the heat of the day, I'm obviously adding words. Now you're expecting us to, to, to catch fish when it's probably not the best time to fish. But, but if you could apply these next words into your life, it will, I promise you, change the trajectory of your relationship with the Lord. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will, in this case, let down the net. I don't know what you might be dealing with in your relationship with the Lord, but if you approach it with nevertheless, at thy word, I will, and then fill in the blank, I will get to a Bible study. I will go to Costa Discipleship. I will disciple. I will lead a Bible. Like, I don't know where you're at in your specific walk, right? But if you say to the Lord, I'm not capable, I'm not competent, but nevertheless, I've tried all, I've tried everything I can do. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will. We don't get to define the parameters of the deliverance. He says, deliver me according to thy word. Now, I, I'm a little bit of a dork. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I stand behind my dorkness. This went, this took me immediately to Princess Leia. Now, some of you know exactly where I'm going. Some of you have no idea where I'm going. I mean, you know who Princess Leia is, but she literally wanted to define the parameters of her rescue. She says, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? When Luke walks in, he says, well, I'm, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Her response, who? Snarky, I watched it. I would have let Han Solo was like, get back in the, get back in the cell. She's like, looks like you've managed to cut, our own, uh, cut off our only escape route. Well, maybe you'd like to get back in your cell, your highness. Leah, this is some rescue. You didn't have a plan to get us out? Girl, you were in a cell. <laughs> we don't get the opportunity. We take it, but we don't get the opportunity to define the terms of our deliverance. It's according to his word. It's according to his word. So out of petition comes deliverance. Out of petition, out of this request comes deliverance. 171. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Now teaching is the aspect of giving information in a way that it can be both understood and applied. 
So I don't know if you can see it, but it's okay if you don't. But it's like, what part of this math equation do you not understand, right? Now, if I got up here and I was a math teacher, and let's all just praise the Lord, then I'm not. Like, I can't just throw that information at you and expect you to know it, right? Otherwise, you're going to be answering like at the bottom. Find X. Well, there it is, right? <laughs> Found it, right? That is not this. The, at that point, teaching math has not occurred. Well, at least understanding has not occurred. The person has gotten up and proclaimed some things, but teaching has not occurred, right? So my lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. David references this in the past tense. When thou hast taught me thy statutes. He's implying that God has both taught and that he received and applied. In Proverbs 1.5, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, right? They'll, they'll get them. They'll gather them and they'll apply them. Proverbs 9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Why? Because he applies it. Not just because his brain got more full. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning because he will take it in and apply it. So learning results from praise. Learning results from praise. And, and if this seems a little disjointed, well, bear with me, because we're going to bring it all together at the end. Okay? Just, tr just well, at least I, should, I said trust me. Don't, don't Never trust me. Okay? <laughs> never trust me. Um, that is my intent. Okay. So 172, my tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy commandments are righteous. Now the proper, and I did, so we're going to pull out air quotes again. The proper adjective for the word or commandments would be righteous, not righteousness. So my tongue shall speak of thy word for the, all thy commandments are righteous, right? That would be the, the way if we were describing the commandments, they would be righteous. The fact that it's that they are righteousness means that it produces, right? It's the foundation. They are righteousness. It produces righteousness. First John 3, 7 says, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, right? So applying them gets you to the point of righteousness. Now, this is not works-based. Do not mishear me but evidence of what's going on in, inside, right? Much like James talks about faith without works is dead. People often try to twist that. But if you really do have faith, you will have works. There will be evidence of that. In Genesis 15, 6, the, the first mention, uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, okay? It, so, so man's way, the way we tend to look at it is we apply, we try to be righteous, we try righteousness, and then that leads to righteous, being righteous. And that's like, that's not how it works, right? God's way is get right with God, get the relationship right in the New Testament age of grace, the church age, obviously that's salvation. That's the foundational premise. Then the righteousness comes in after. Okay, so man has it backwards, and I'm not implying David has it backwards. My point is that what we do is we come to God with our agenda as compared to allowing him to be righteous, uh, to, to bring the righteousness to us. Now, what that does is produces a question for you or an opportunity. My, so in this, this verse, my tongue shall speak of thy word. For all thy commandments are righteousness. And I'm going to encourage you, and you don't have to do it right now, but think about this. My blank shall blank for all thy commandments are righteous. My hand will serve. My heart will be at peace. I don't, I don't know what it is for you, 
right? But my calendar shall be cleared for all thy commandments are righteous. Like, I don't know, like there's opportunities for us here to fill in the blanks. My blank, my family, right? My family shall serve or shall worship or shall be spend time and devote. Like, I don't know what it is, but take time. I would encourage you maybe this week, take some time to think about what your fill in the blank needs to be there. What we'll tend to do is answer it easy, right? We tend to answer it the way that we're already doing at least some of, so that we do just a little more and then we appease ourselves. But challenge yourself on this. So from application, results speaking. My tongue shall speak of thy word for all thy commandments of righteousness. The, 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 the poetry here causes the inverse. The, the foundational part of the verse is actually the second half. For all thy commandments are righteous, therefore my tongue shall speak of thy word, right? 173, let thy hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Now we all have choices to make, and this is really where the rubber meets the road. I was talking with a young man this week who's, Signed up for discipleship. He did COD. Super excited. Gets hooked up with his his uh, you know discipler. They're that you know they're just the just the initial communications. And I trust that God's at work here, because the discipler says, "I think we should meet Saturdays at seven thirty a.m." Whoa, really? All of a sudden, this. Super excitement about discipleship got real, real. <laughs> you want me to get up early on Saturday, my day, to do discipleship? Like, yeah. Now, I wasn't part of the conversation, but I was just like, I sat back and I just kind of smiled because I thought God's already, I mean, Jesus does this beautifully in the Gospels, by the way cuts right to the heart of the matter real quick. And I don't know if the decide, this this uh, this guy who I, I know and trust and love in here, if, if that's just what his schedule allows, if there's some reason for that, I'm just going to trust the Lord was in that, that it's already cutting to the quick. I mean, it's cool to go to COD, everybody claps. It's cool to say you're getting discipled because that's what everybody like should be doing, right? But then when you got to actually hit, you know, not hit the snooze bar, which seems stupid. I nobody has a snooze bar anymore. It's a snooze like slider or button or area on your phone, which I feel like is is really. I mean, they're asking me to do things as I'm waking up. I mean, there was a reason the snooze bar was this long, and you just had to hit it, right? I mean, is anybody with me? Like, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it was just like I don't know. Anyway. So we all have choices to make, and these choices are where the rubber meets the road. And I just pulled out the easy ones. Joshua 24, 15, choose you this day whom you will serve, right? Or First uh, Kings 18, how long halt, halt ye between two opinions? If, they're God, if, if Baal's God, serve him. If God's God, serve him. And John 6, this is actually one of my favorite passages it was a really important passage at a pretty cr critical time in uh, my wife and I's uh, spiritual journey when Jesus says, will you also turn away in, 67, in verse 67? And Peter's like, where, where can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Like, you're going to be forced with choices. And those little decisions, are you going to get up at 730 on Saturdays? Because you said you wanted to do discipleship. You said you wanted to grow in your relationship with the Lord, but a little sleep or the ability to stay up a little later on Friday night is all it took to now shake the foundations of your faith. Come on. But we all have those decisions. Now, maybe they don't look like 730 on a Saturday morning, but maybe they look like something else. Maybe they're a relationship we need to give up. Maybe it's a, a job situation. I don't know. And but here's the here's the, 
the kicker is we can't not choose. Sorry for the double negative. We can't not choose. You're choosing even with your inaction. With your so so if he does nothing, if he doesn't get up at seven thirty, he's he's choosing, right? He's choosing. So out of choice, though, comes support. Out of choice comes support. Let thy hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. When you choose the precepts, and obviously you all know through your Psalm sun, Sundays here, as you've gone through Psalm one nineteen. And, and everybody else had, had had their turn. Everybody else had preached. And finally, Dobson gets his chance. On the very last stanza, there was some sort of, some sort of gaffe, some sort of misstep. And they were like, crap. Can I say crap? Is that okay? No. No. Okay. I take that back. Strike that from the record. Darn. Can I say darn? Darn. We forgot to have Dobson do a Psalm Sunday. We'll just give him the last stanza. <laughs> It is a good one, and it's the the best for last. Is how I that's how I was approaching it. When when I, that's why I felt like save the the best. But out of choice comes support. When you choose the right thing, the Lord is right there to help you at the next step. Right there to help you at the next step. I think I'm I think I'm okay on time. So so I. I don't know how many people. So, so I, I work in the prosthetics and orthotics field, the artificial limbs and corrective braces industry. Okay. Very specialized part of healthcare, very small, but very specialized part of healthcare. And one of the things that we learned early on, so I was a practicing clinician for about 10 years, fitting amputees and fitting folks that had fractures and deformities and scoliosis, et cetera. Right. But one of the first things that you do with someone who's getting a prosthesis, their first prosthesis, is you have to convince them to shift their weight. Let's assume this leg is the amputated leg, to shift their weight over it and to trust the prosthesis. Okay. And then the next step is easy if they can trust, because walking, and I've shared this in a few environments, so I apologize if it's redundant. Walking is a series of controlled falls. So what you do is you put your weight in front of your foot and then you catch yourself. And then you put your weight in front of that foot and you catch yourself. Now we do it all, it's a second nature to us. You walk here, you walked up, you walked around. But that's, it's a series of controlled falls. The choice comes when you say, Lord, I trust you. He will support you. He will be there to make sure your foot is stable. That's actually, I think, part of the reason there's so much talk about the Lord placing our foot or guiding our feet or guiding our footsteps or the path of our feet because he's there with that structure. So out of choice comes support. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord. Thy law is my delight. Now this longed, the specific Hebrew word is only used twice. And it's both times in Psalm 119. In verse 40, it says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts, quicken me in righteousness. And here in Psalm 170, or in uh, verse 174. Now, I, I don't know if you've heard this story. I don't remember who, I don't remember where I heard this. So if you're like Trotter told this story or one of the guys here, I apologize because I'm getting old and I can't remember where I heard stories, but it's not mine. I'm re recounting the story I heard. There was a young man that wanted to, to have a better relationship with the Lord. And he, he knew his pastor had a better relationship. So he said to his pastor, they're out in this kind of country church, or maybe it's a hundred years ago or whatever. And so he says to the pastor, I, I just want to have a better relationship with the Lord. Can I spend time with you? Can I spend time with you? Because I know you have a good relationship with the Lord. So the pastor's like, sure. And so he pulls a Mr. Miyagi on him. He has him fill the water trough and water the horses and doing all this stuff, country work. And, and the young man, you, you all knew what I meant by pulling Mr. Miyagi, right? Like wax on, wax on, at least enough of you did, right? So, so, so the young man's like, I don't get it. I don't, he's like, okay, here, here's the deal. I want you to, I want you to put your head right down next to the, the water and the horse trough. Listen to the water. 
listen to the water and I'm on this young man's like, okay, now I get it. Now, now comes the magic. So, so the man, young man puts his head down. He's like, no, no, you gotta get closer. He gets down on his knees and he puts his head right up. Pastor's like, no, get, get closer. So he, his ears just barely touching the water. About that time, the pastor jumps on his head and pushes him under the water. And then of course the young man's flailing, trying to get a breath and, and he pulls him up and he pushes him back down into the water. Have you guys heard this before? No? Okay, awesome. Good. So that's the end of the story. Um, no. so, so he pulls him back up. And the young man, you know, he's dripping wet. And, and he's like, what was that all about? He said, you remember how much you longed for oxygen? He's like, well, yeah. He's like, when you long for the Lord like that, then you'll go close, close to him. You need to long for him like oxygen. Like... <laughs> When you, when you are in a tough situation and the only thing that's going to help you live is oxygen, that's the kind of relationship you need to have with the Lord. David is known for longing. Every Old Testament, every time, at least that I could find, and I used a computer, that the word long or longing in the Old Testament is used like this, it's tied to David, the man after God's own heart. He longed for him. It's not a, it's not a check mark on his schedule. It's not a, a block of time. It's not a transition from work to then church. It's not a, a ministry. It's a longing relationship. I can't help but think of the time it's recorded twice in scripture with only one word different. Second Samuel 23 and first Chronicles 11. Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He longed for the water from Bethlehem because it was, he knew that's where God was. He knew that's where God was. So out of seeking comes this godly desire, right? Out of seeking, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, thy law and thy law is my delight. Out of seeking comes this godly desire. Let my soul live. Oh, sorry. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Let thy judgments help me. This echoes to eternity, right? Let my soul live as compared to our souls dying, right? So our souls live in heaven for all eternity. Our souls die, if you will, a perpetual death in hell. In Isaiah 55 and verse three, incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. Now in the Old Testament, this is the practicality of just kind of being alive, right? Not physically dying. But the New Testament parallel, the New Testament perspective on this is not just the soul living, but it's the soul like living, like being full. Love the Lord uh, with all thy soul, right? I'm not quoting, these are, these are concepts. Your soul will be required of you. The soul is preserved in 1 Thessalonians 5. Hope is an anchor of the soul. And we even see the souls uh, souls are seen and exist in heaven, right? Which is a, it's a little bit of a duh, but it's there for your reference in Revelation 6, 9. So from judgment results fullness. Let my soul live and it shall praise thee. Praise thee. Let thy judgments help me, right? The word, the law, the, in, from David's perspective, the law, that those judgments will result in fullness, that is literally what the Pharisees missed. They, they, were, they were so focused on adherence that they missed the God of the law, right? That's not new to most of you. In our last one, 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Now, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought this is a, a bit of an odd way to end Psalm 119. Like, I'm really glad God didn't use me to record scripture because I probably would have messed it up. Probably would have messed it up. But I just feel like it kind of just ends. It doesn't like end with this wonderful crescendo. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant for I do not forget thy commandments. Now, maybe you all are like, no, this is a beautiful crescendo. 
I am so glad the body has people like you uh, and because I need you to bless me. But this lost sheep principle is important. In Matthew 18, we talk about or we see Jesus talking about the, the hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray. Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and go into, go into the mountains and seek that which has gone astray? And if it, uh, if it so be that he findeth it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than the ninety and nine, which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of the father of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. So this astray is this concept of being deceived, right? A sheep that goes astray is deceived that the grass over there is better than the grass with the herd. That's how they're deceived. They, oh, that grass is better. Oh, that grass is better. No, that grass is better. That and the next thing you know, they're separated. They've now gone astray, right? I'm just going to be super transparent and say, as a growing pastor, I have trouble with this. I don't know how far to chase someone. I, I see the illustration that Jesus used, but there's a point at which the sheep start kicking at me. Like, leave me alone. I don't want what you've got anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, and Sam's been, been really good counseling me on this because the heart should always be there to restore. So I definitely always want that. I always want that sheep back, right? I'm never mad at them because they've been deceived, right? I, there's two, two, two types of people I try not to get mad at. People who've never learned something because they've never learned it. Like you can't get mad at somebody for not knowing something, right? And for people who are deceived because, man, Satan's really good at what he does. Really good at what he does. So this, this ties with this concept or ties this concept of being sought with not forgetting the commandments, right? I've gone astray like a sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. So from remembrance results the finding, the remembering of the commandments. All right, so now we've got this breakdown. So this is the part that I just jumped off the page at me, and I'm going to do my best to communicate it with you. You say, what in the world? The evolution of game controllers. Now, how does this apply? I played, I played Pong. I played actual Pong. Some of you don't even know what Pong is. Some of you know what Pong is. That's the controllers on the left. You had one thing that you could do. Well, you had two things you could do. Go right or go left. That's the only thing you could do with Pong. Okay. Then the controllers came because it was really cool because you had a joystick and a fire button, right? You could pew, pew, and move at the exact same time. But one of the things that was interesting is you almost always had to be directed the direction you were firing, right? So if you turn this way, you could shoot or turn that way, you could shoot. Now, when you're down in the lower right-hand corner, my sons are playing this game where they're running backwards and they're shooting this way. And I'm like, how do you know where you're going? Well, because of the map. And I'm like, what? I don't even know where the map is. And they're doing the other things. Some of you are like, you are so old. Yes, I'm old. I, that's too many things. Because my brain imprinted on right, left, pew, pew. Okay. The reason I bring this up the reason this is important is we, I would argue everyone in here, maybe not everyone, but most all of us in here have a Greek or a Roman mindset. We're very linear because of A, then B, then C. But that's not how this psalm is written. It's written by somebody going like this with the video game. Okay. So just bear with me on this. But if you'll notice in 169, let my cry in 171, my lips, my understanding, and you've taught. The second stand or the second verse is the one that, or the third, let me start the sentence over. The first and the third verses are tied together. 
Similarly, the second and the fourth, let my supplication come before thee, deliver me according to thy word. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for thy commandments are righteousness. Okay, we see it, let thy hand help me, and let my, because thy judgments help me. Do you see the parallels? Okay, and again, I have longed for, and I have gone astray. This happens, and I've pulled out the concepts in English, but the concepts in Hebrew, and I'm not suggesting they're better, but the concepts in Hebrew jump off the page, the Hebrew words. Because remember, this is like a song, right? The, the, the first word begins with the same letter, right? So these concepts just jump off the page. So what that creates is this A, B, and somehow it messed up on my side. Sorry, this really messed up. So it should be A, B, and then A, B and then CD, CD. So I apologize. I don't know how that it auto-corrected there. So the first part should be 170 or one. Um, well, let me just go back here. The notes are right. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. You've got, you've got the important part. So out of praise comes understanding and then from learning results praise. Out of petition comes deliverance and then the application results in speaking. Out of choice comes support, but from judgments results fullness. Out of seeking comes godly desire, and from remembrance results finding. So this is what's called alternate parallelism. There is one, if there was one thing I learned from Shepherd School, which is obviously kind of the precursor to LFBI, it's how important the concept of parallelism is in scripture. It completely adds, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, was it Star Trek where they were playing chess and it had like levels? I think it was Star Trek that had, they would play, but then they could move up layers or something. It's like taking chess and adding layers to it. And David is not a dumb guy. Hebrews were not simple people. They were very intellectual people. And they, this, this stuff just jumps off the page when you find the right parallelism for, and there's nested parallelism, which is just crazy. So what we like as parallelism is like Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That's a form of, of a contrast of parallelism. You don't ask you give, okay? That's a form of parallelism. Most epic speeches that have, we have kind of drawn to in history are some form of parallelism because our brains are actually meant to work that way. The Greek and Roman style has actually twisted it. So there's all these different types. There's synonymous parallelism where it's as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. It's, a, it's just synonymous. There's antithetical, which is a contrast. I probably could have grabbed them, and I can't think of one off the, the top of, like, where there's a, a verse maybe in Proverbs that says the wise man does this, but the fool does this. That's antithetical parallelism. Synthetic parallelism, its second line adds to the first line. Climactic is it builds. We commonly think of that in songs. Uh, emblematic parallelism. The figure of speech is is explained in the second. So it it'll say something. Um, you know, like words fitly spoken or like apples of gold and and pictures of silver, right? So that's an anti uh, an emblematic right parallelism, and this is alternate parallelism where the first and the third line go together the second and the fourth line go together why is this important because the conclusion is to restore your relationship with god which is what david is talking about here you need to start with one of the four on the left you need to start praising you need to start asking you need to choose or you need to seek and I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have more time to go the next layer down, but I can assure you any distance that you have from God, you can, you can fix. He's, he's never moved by the way, right? You can fix by doing one of these things, one of these four things, because praise will lead to understanding, 
which will lead to a depth of learning, the, the application of learning, which will result in praise, big circle. Petition will result in deliverance. How many times did we see that in the nation of Israel? And then the application and the opportunity to proclaim it. You choose, like we've talked about, you'll get the support, the judgments will be there, and you'll be full. Like, I'm quite certain if this young man chooses to get up on Saturday morning and just do it, maybe it's only for a couple of times, and then, the, like, I know it, I just choose it, just do it. Or sometimes you got to seek. You just got to seek God, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I don't mean that you'll get the Ferrari. My son wants a Ferrari. I don't know why. Well, I know why, but, like, that's not going to happen, young man. Like, I'm going to buy him a model. I'm going to go to Hobby Lobby and I'm going to buy him a Ferrari model, wrap it up for Christmas and give it to him. Here's your Ferrari. That doesn't mean God will give you the desires of your heart because he wants a Ferrari. It means God will give him the right desires in his heart and he'll move away from the Ferrari to something more practical that he can use as a platform for ministry. He'll give you godly desire. He'll give you remembrance and you'll be found. David beautifully lays out this psalm with four specific steps that you can take. And again, I don't know which one it is, but I bet the Holy Spirit's telling you right now or will tell you which one you need to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm absolutely confident in it. Absolutely confident. One of these steps, I don't know if you need to cut this out, like, this isn't, I mean, these are, some of these are my words, but you could just take the words out of, out of the last stands if you want, put them on your refrigerator. I don't know what you want to do. Put them in a, a, a journal. Like I guarantee you, no matter where you are in your relationship with the Lord, no matter how far you are, assuming you're saved, do one of these four things and it will start you on a path to a restored relationship with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you. I personally thank you for just communicating uh, to me what is so important and so valuable and how we can restore the closeness of the relationship. And I know that there have been times in my life where I've had to do these things. I didn't necessarily have them boiled down this way, Lord, but I just thank you that I have this tool. I pray that it's a, a blessing to faith fellowship. I pray that uh, that whoever needed to hear this message, whether it's someone in this room or somebody that listens later or somebody maybe even online, Lord, that you would just take it and just multiply it for their edification, but also for your glory. Lord, you're so good. You've never moved. You're right there ready to receive us. But Lord, we've, we've gone astray. And Lord, just help us draw back nigh to you. In Jesus' name, amen.